welcome back to the Flat Chat Podcast. My name is Kat. And I'm Scott. And as always, we are joined by Ross. Hey, everybody. <laughs> There's always that pause. I love that we pause. Yeah, <laughs> I have to edit it out all the time. <laughs> uh, hi, Ross. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? We are having a great old time. Yeah, nice jolly time. It's it's a bit grey today, but that's why I, I can I can live with that. I'm inside anyway. So. Yeah, it's nice yeah, I'm to be. Anyway, it's nice to be doing something inside when you don't want to be outside anyway, and you can't be outside. <laughs> well, <'Cause> it's illegal. <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> that's illegal. So, um, we have three more movies to talk about. Um, it is the start of phase three. Uh, yeah, I Captain America Civil War. Uh, then we move on to Doctor yeah. Strange, and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two today. So in, unlike last week, where it was a bit of a oh no wait what what movies did we discuss last week? Uh, we talked about. Let me check my list. Last last week was Guardians of the Galaxy, Age of Ultron, and Ant Man. Yeah, it sure was. So oh, we were joined by Christy last week, but oh, he's not yeah. here. He's not here this week. Because yes. he was so unpopular that we had to fire him. <laughs> <laughs> and his extending thumbs. Yeah, that's that's the that's the tagline I'm going with yeah. anyway. The emails so, yeah. about the extending thumbs making people's vomit was was particularly graphic. So backed <laughs> them. We've moved on. And it's just the three of us again. So yeah, I hope everyone's well. Um, and should we just dive in? I yeah, guess? let's get into yeah, let's, it. Let's do it. So Captain America: Civil War. Good. Came yeah. out. Came out in 2016. Yep. Uh, another film directed by the Russo Bros. Yep, and they go on to direct like sure. all the best Marvel films. Yeah, and they he directed the last. Sorry, no, he they they directed the last Captain America film as well. Yeah, which was uh, Winter Soldier. I've just discussed how that's a bit of a rocky one for me per se, but I know everyone loved it, which is good. Yeah, but Civil War, mm-hmm. what a film! What a film! Yeah, it's fantastic. Just it doesn't oof. really feel like a captain america film per se because there's so many like everyone's in it feels a bit like an avengers i was just gonna say when i remember when it came out it felt like uh, when it when it came out everyone was talking about how it was like avengers 3 which um at the time at the time i was like well yeah of course it's like avengers 3 and then obviously infinity war comes out later and you're like nah (laughs) Nah, captain america America was just nothing compared to this um but yeah, I mean, it was it was nice to see sort of a, a dynamic where the team is split apart, uh, on, um, and also it brings in a lot of events that have happened before, things that happened in Sokovia. It introduces new yes. characters well. Spider Man's introduction was really nice. Um, yes. Black Panther's introduction was really nice. So yeah, I just I just thought it was a really good way of showing everyone sort of. Maybe their sensibilities versus their morales and stuff like that. I yeah. thought it was really interesting. So maybe just to remind yeah. ourselves slash the audience. So from this point, we have the split, which to begin with, I didn't really understand when I first watched this film why they were separated. Again, because the movies come out in such um, with such distance between the two of them, or all of them, and it confuses me. Uh, and I can't remember what's gone on, but because I've been watching them together... Uh, I can remember now that all the Sokovia stuff um, has really affected yeah. Tony. Tony's obviously um, scared after the, after the events of um, Avengers 1. Um, and he wants to protect the world by putting a suit of armor yes. around it. Um, but he's not allowed to do that anymore. So he's yeah. instead siding with the government. And Captain America doesn't trust the government because of all the events of uh, Winter Soldier. <laughs> so that's where we have them butting heads. Yeah. I, I Obviously, in the Age of Ultron episode, we talked about the idea that Age of Ultron felt like filler to get to here. Mm-hmm. But I think as much as that film isn't... I don't think it's that great. This film is fantastic because of that. I think what you're saying is totally apt. The idea that Civil War is such a great build-up of all the events that we've seen up until this point. And I think it they do a good job of putting that in this world. So the moment where they're all sitting around and they're first introduced to the, the Accords and they're talking and they've got the footage on the screen, but it's not the footage that we've seen before. It's footage from the victim's perspective of the attack on New York, the attack on Sokovia, 
you know, the the yeah. skirmish that happens at the start of this film, where it's like people on the ground with buildings falling on top of them, and that really puts the film into perspective of like, oh right, yeah, the you know, obviously they're superheroes, obviously they're the good guys because that's what we've been told, but you can see where the UN is coming from in this film having to reel these guys in for sure and I think what's nice about this film is that while the Russo brothers have sort of tackled politics before I mean especially in Captain, when you look at Captain America Winter Soldier and stuff like that but mm-hmm. I think Civil War really tackles this idea of these guys also talk about things and discuss things and they do and everyone's thinking about things as well it's not just oh run in we're the obvious good guys um, because, like yes. you said, Ross, from a lot of people's perspectives, they might not be the obvious good guys. Um, yeah. And I think that was really interesting to see, sort of, obviously, Tony Stark, his character's ever-evolving in, in this series of films, and now to see it sort of accumulate into... I mean, this is just sort of a progression of how he felt, I guess, in Iron Man, all those years back, yeah. at this point. Yes. Wasn't, in Iron Man, he was like, I have built weapons that terrorists have used, thus I have to take weapons out of the equation altogether, I become the weapon... And as soon as he sees that the weapon that he has become can harm others, he then gives up those weapons even further, but almost regresses back to giving it back to our people instead of himself. Yeah, I think as well his relationship with Pepper has really affected how he kind of submits to government in in this movie as well, because all he wants to do is keep her safe. And he knows that he's disappointed her so many times previously in other movies because he, he can't you know, rel- relinquish his power, his um, the control and power that he is finally doing it, but it doesn't obviously pay off in the way yeah. that he wanted it to. I think as well, we're you know we're getting quite we're diving head first a little bit here, but I yeah, think yeah. a really good place to start is this film is fantastic. I think I think it's hard to compare films like even a film like this to something like Endgame when I talk about oh it's the the best one or it's you know it's in the top three or whatever but i think that this film is in my top three because there isn't really a villain it's just two characters that you care about yeah with opposing ideologies and neither one is wrong yeah i don't I mean, think at any point any of the characters are particularly wrong no they're they all they all take actions and they're all fully justified by what's happened to them or where they stand well, this in is an interesting beliefs. thing because when the film came out, it was very much that there was two sides that you could take to this movie. There's the side of, of Team Tony and Iron Man and there's the side of, of Captain America. And for me, it was all, always quite obvious which side you should be taking. Um, but I know that I did have contrasting opinions to other people which surprised me. So I'd like to know what sides you guys want to take when you watch this film. You, you go first on this one, Ross. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I was strongly Team Cap when this movie came out. Uh, and I remember having conversations with people where people were Team Iron Man and I was shocked Yeah. because I was so strongly Team Cap. Watching this movie back again, though, I felt so much more for Tony in this film than I ever did in previous watchings and I think in in experiencing both sides a little bit and this watching I was like oh this film is incredible but no I'm still firmly on team cap in this movie yeah I mean yeah I, no, I am also I'm, I'm much the same team Captain America all the way but I think it's really important to be able to justify or reason with Tony Stark and mm-hmm. the rest and understand why people would sort of hand over their freedoms and hand over other people's freedoms as well. Yeah. And having now watched all the films so closely together, I can now see, like I said, why Tony Mm -hmm. is so willing to give over power. Um, Whereas when I first watched it, I didn't really understand his point of view so much. Um, The only thing that does sway me to Tony's team 
is Spider-Man because I love Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. think you should be aligning your pit political beliefs with who you fancy, Kat, because I think that's just a dangerous outcome yeah, for no, life. That's, that's do, we, <laughs> do we want to talk for a minute? We'll get back to the sort of intense political discussion that happens with Civil War. But do we want to talk for a second about how good the introduction to Spider-Man is in this film? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. That, I, that I want to talk about scene. how much I've been crying during these movies, and I think I cried when Spider-Man was introduced. No, but you cry now when the music, the Avengers music comes up and Kat's just into you. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, well, quarantine's yeah. really got me on some like weird emotional <laughs> trip at the moment, but I've cried so much during uh, all of these films. Mm. But yeah, when, yeah, when I mean, Spider-Man was introduced, oh man. You know, I li- I'm, a, I'm a big... Oh, no, feel free, Scott. Oh, thank you. Um, I like how Spider-Man has... Um, it wasn't an origin story for Spider-Man. It was just an introduction um, as him coming into the Avengers, which I really liked. Mm. So, like, in the film, Tony turns around and says, Oh, this is you, right? And it's like, Spider-Man in his homemade hoodie costume and stuff like that. But he's got his web and, you know, and other things. His gadgets. And I just love how he's like, yeah, just just come join us. Like you've been doing good things in in New York, yes. but you come and help us. And I like this idea that Spider Man. That's all he needs now. Everyone knows who Spider Man is. He's one of the top three best known superheroes of all time. Um, and he doesn't need an introduction like the rest. Yeah, and there's been so many Spider Man yeah. movies that's that exactly have covered it. the origin story in always slightly different ways but we all know that he was bitten by a radioactive spider and then yes. he got some powers yeah um and the fact that he's a really smart kid and he's made his webs because i think in some of the spider-man movies he, like he produces the webs yeah right? well that was a weird thing back in the sam raimi days but yeah yeah, yeah see, i was gonna well, see the sam raimi ones right yeah, yeah. He, he naturally produces webs i feel well, like as well that, iron me, man says something i thought that he was meant to do that but no he's no the rest no. of them he makes the web solution, but in that right? but in that film as well toby mcguire is meant to be a teenage boy which is just weird <laughs> he's like this obviously yeah. in his late 20s early 30s yeah. and he's like yeah, yeah I'm, I'm only 15 <laughs> yeah cat uh, my first introduction to spider-man was the sam raimi movies yeah. with toby mcguire and I thought the same thing. So in Amazing Spider-Man, when he, like, when he makes the solution scientifically well, yeah. engineers the webs, I was like, what? That's not right. It's yeah, supposed me to too. Like, come out of his arms. But no, what I was going to say was that I'm a big Spider-Man guy. I always have been. But Tom Holland is my favourite Spider-Man. Me um, too. I think it's it's what I want Spider-Man to be, which is like this like plucky, awkward little... He's like kicking about. The aging, yeah, best. the aging's really right for him in terms of how old he's yeah. actually meant to look. Yeah, that's um. true. I'll give you that one. My favorite like... Spider Verse, Spider Verse, Spider Man's my favorite Spider Man. Oh, do you know what? Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't counting this is, that. Guys, this is not Spider Man right, podcast. This is a Marvel podcast. <laughs> no, Get no, out I know, of here, I know, Sony. I but again, like what what I was gonna say is I, I I love his introduction again. Like you said, at this point, the sort of narrative was oh. We've seen enough Spider-Man movies. We've seen enough Spider-Man origin stories that we didn't need to see him get bitten by the spider exactly. in the in the, the hospital or whatever, you know, or the the science ward. Um, and and instead, the idea that Tony, this guy that's got his finger on the pulse of the whole world, knows about this kid from the town or the city that he lives in, that's got these superpowers, and he's just been keeping an eye mm-hmm. on him, and he's like, "All oh, right." I need a guy. You're pretty sound. What's your deal? I need deal? a guy so oh, your the numbers are nice. exactly even with Captain America's team. <laughs> well, talking yeah. talk, talk about introductions, uh, what do we think about Black Panther's introduction in this film? I love Black Panther's introduction. I love um, the scene where he cha- they like the, the chase scene through that tunnel um, where mm. it's Captain America, Bucky, um, and, and Black Panther. Mm. And then Falcon's in yeah. there somewhere as well. So Although it, all, it always annoys me a little bit and this is just me being a big fucking loser, but so obviously Black Panther can run fast, and yeah. obviously Captain America can run fast, but we're never really told why Bucky can run fast. Oh, um, just but to just, just interject runs. really quickly, Ross. <laughs> he was no, no, sorry, really quick. In a, I can't. Yeah. I think it was in um, Infinity War or something. Um, uh-huh. It it was just briefly mentioned. I think it's mentioned in um, Winter Soldier as well. 
that he was also given the sort of same serum that Captain oh, America okay. was given. Okay, so just, that, just, but it was like fine. it's such yeah. a brief mention that it is a, it's the movie sort of, I guess, semi failing of tell yeah. of conveying the information over. You know, they, they, I feel like they do a whole thing though about like, oh, Black Panther's this amazing dude, you know, and oh, uh, you know, we see Steve Rogers learn to run like that in the first Avenger, and then it's like, oh, by the way, <laughs> Bucky can run. <laughs> yeah. He's on a motorbike for half roughly of it, the though. same speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he gets a bit tired, but. <laughs> no, I I really like um I really like Chadwick Boseman as um King T'Challa. Yeah. Um, I think he's fantastic. The bit where he's sitting on the bench with Black Widow, and she's like, "Oh, you know, don't worry, we'll bring him in." And he's like, "Don't bother, I'll kill him myself." And he's like, "It's like, oh, cool, right? Yeah. He's he's awesome. He's smooth. He's smooth. He's suave. He's he knows what he's talking about. He's not fumbling over any words. You know, he's." He's a confident dude. I also and, really like his you know, like the brief introduction we have to his father as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that explosion at the UN again, just to, to delve back into our favorite subject <laughs> of yes. politics, but th- that was just such a really touching moment to see this man sort of watch his father die. And even though it's it wasn't like a, we we weren't introduced to the character before, it was still quite a touching moment. Especially because yes. you know he was given this grand speech and things like that. He seemed like you know just this wise old old dude and then he, he just goes and dies and you can see the rage sort of build up in Black Panther and then... yeah. it's nice yeah. that we're introduced to characters um, in that way before their standalone movies as well what I, what I was going to say was that having that moment where they, they attack the UN obviously kicks the story into gear with the, oh the Winter Soldier is this bad guy that we need to get but also Every cat, like I said, I I feel like you can agree with every character in this movie. No one is, um, like, cartoonishly stupid and wrong and evil. They all sort of have a leg to stand on with their arguments. And Black Panther is the same because of this moment. He just wants to kill the the Winter Soldier because he believes the Winter Soldier killed his dad. Yeah. And that's it. It's a it's a classic revenge story, you know. And and that gives him this this motivation to, to do what he does. And then we also have a similar as as motivation. Learns... Go on. Um, I was gonna say with the the kind of only bad guy, which is the the uh, Baron Zemo. Yeah, yeah who's Zemo. I I think he's a it's a cool introduction of somebody who was just caught up in the Sokovia. in the chaos in Sokovia. Mm. Um, but what I was just yes. about to say, like following on from Black Panther to this guy as well, all inter all interlinks was I think it's really impressive that they gave Black Panther an arc in this film filled with other characters having arcs. Yeah. In the way that yes. his he was hell bent on destruction and revenge to try and kill Bucky Barnes all the way through the film like all the way through from when we see him to the end. And then at the end, instead of giving um this Baron Zemo guy the sweet release of death, instead he's like, No, you'll serve your time. So he yeah. takes the step back from going, I'll kill somebody to, you know what? I'm gonna let the the court system and the justice system work its its magic kind of yeah. thing, but yeah, no, I thought really, which is really cool. Yeah, I thought Baron Zemo he was a an interesting character. We don't see much of him, but I guess no. he's just more of just a, a reason just, everyone's he's fighting. The catalyst, though, isn't yeah, he? yeah, um, he's yeah, he's what this film needs. In that again, the the villain is there's not really a present villain. You can say oh Zemo's the villain because he's the bad guy. You know he's trying to make stuff work. But he's just sort of like this guy that's moving the plot along. Yeah. And Iron Man isn't the villain, and Captain America isn't the villain, and although he's a bit of a knob, General Ross isn't the villain <laughs> in this film either. Yeah. Um, I think it's, well, I think from, that's what from makes Iron this one Man's work, perspective, though. Bucky is the villain because that's the whole yes. point is they're trying to get to Bucky. Um, and yeah. that's that's the interesting thing about this film. It is all about perspectives, actually. Yeah. You know, which it's... is why it's so interesting that. Whoever, or depending on what kind of side that you take with, um, which team, you're gonna have a, a different perspective on the yeah. movie as well. So it's not even just from the character's point of view; it's from the audience point of view as well. I have a stance to make as well, a bit of a correction, if you will, on something that I said in a previous episode. Go for it. I said that I didn't mind Scarlet Witch. I thought that she was good, right? Yeah. That was a that was a stance that took because because I know Cat, you're not the biggest fan of. Scarlet Witch character. 
yeah. of, of Wanda Maximoff. She's she's all right. She's she doesn't do anything really for me. And I said, oh, I you know I think she's good. I think she's totally fine. Like I don't have any problem with her. But I realized something in this movie mm-hmm. that she is fine. No, there's, I don't have I don't have a problem with her character or or her acting, uh, in in these films or what she does or her character arc or anything. But there's a scene, um, cl- close to the start of the film where Captain America comes in and comforts Wanda, and says like, "Listen, it's not your fault. It's part of the and job." And Vision walks you know. through the wall. That one. And then Vision Vision walks through the wall, right? Yeah. And it's a totally fine scene. And then. You have scenes like when Captain America gets captured and Tony Stark brings in the pens from like the 1940s or whatever, like the presidential signing pens. And Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans have that scene where they talk. And neither person is wrong. They just don't agree. And that scene hit me so much that I was like, oh, Wanda... Scarlet Witch, she is fine, but every single scene that she has with someone, like, so every single Cap and Wanda scene is a scene that's not Cap and Iron Man. It's a scene that's not Cap and Falcon. It's a scene that's not Cap and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, or, I think. You know, ju- yeah, so it's. Any of these things. What, what you're saying is that in a normal sort of. I guess, or, or in, a, in a worse film, the scenes with Wanda in it would be better, but she's kind of the worst some you know which is the worst part in this amazing it's, film yeah i think it's when i look at the list that she's stacked up yeah yeah it's when i look at the list of you know you've got captain america bucky falcon wanda atman hawkeye on um captain america's team you've got iron man black mm-hmm. widow war machine spider-man vision black panther wanda and vision for me are the two that i could do without and i wouldn't really care i know obviously vision is super important to like he's he's got the uh, soul stone, no, the mind stone, mind the mind stone in his head. Mind stone. So that's important to the the narrative of the MCU. But you know, as characters, I'm like meh. I think, but but on that though, I think we should move on to the next film since we're running <laughs> our time. Yeah, but, no, of course. Uh, what I was going to say, those quickly on that, I think uh, to serve the sort of further narrative though, the fact that Wanda and Vision are on separate ends, like the the two sides of the team. I think it shows, like in a in a metaphorical or in a societal sense, that even if we have these big disagreements that can change the world either way, we can still fall in love with each other. We can still get on. Um, yes. And because at the end of the day, most people are just trying to be nice guys. Mm. Most people are just trying to be just do what they think is right. But sometimes that's <laughs> you just obviously if you have two people trying to do what's right, but they're both trying to do completely opposite things, one person's going to be wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important for, for Wanda and Vision to have this sort of complication now to further how far their love has gone in terms of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Um, there is one scene one that I think I... we need to talk about, mm-hmm. which is the last scene with Tony and um, Cap, their fight right at the end, mm. where oh. base, base, Captain America basically kills Iron Man. Well, not really, but no, like he, no. be- he beats him I would to a halt. You, you think he almost killed him because he smashed up his heart a bit. And it's like no, but he. I well, I was it's thinking the fact that they just while I was go for each it. other. Yeah. No. Sorry, what are you saying, Ross? But it's such an interesting fight scene because Tony is fighting to kill, and Captain America is fighting to prevent. I don't think at any point Captain America wants to kill Tony Stark. Not at all. He's trying to disable the suit so that the suit can't kill the Winter Soldier, but Tony, at that point in the film, after he sees that the Winter Soldier is the guy that killed his his parents and he finds out that his friend Captain America knew about that and lied Tony loses it in that moment and Tony is trying to kill Bucky and if Captain America is going to stand in his way he's going to kill Captain America as well mm-hmm. and so you see it where Captain America tries to like he does like the repulsor beam chest thing that takes off Bucky's arm it's like oh if that had hit him in the chest it would have killed him and Tony's fine with that but Captain America is fighting to disable the suit because he knows that'll end Tony's chances of killing him. And that point where Tony's mask gets ripped off and Captain America lifts the shield up and then stabs him in the, the arc reactor and the look in Tony's eyes as he 
was ready to die at that point. He was like, oh, this is it. I lost. I'm going to die. Because he's, he's so, in that moment, warped into the feeling of, oh, it's me versus you. One of us is going to die. You know, like that, almost like a cowboy movie feeling. Yeah. Of a, of a showdown. But Captain America doesn't want to kill. Captain America just wants to save his friends. And, and how powerful oh. as well is that scene where Tony turns around and says, you know, my father made that shield for you. And then he just drops the shield. I thought, oh, just drops such, it. that's one of the most powerful scenes, I think, in the whole film. The sort of Captain America, he doesn't want to belong to Iron Man's vision of America. Yeah. He wants to he wants to live in a, a free, you know, the free country that he grew up in and that he fought for and he was ready to die for. That's the kind of country he wants to be in. And if if that's yeah. not the way it's going to be, he's going to just drop it. Uh, shall we move on? Yes, we're going to have to. <laughs> 30 minutes <laughs> of luckily, Civil War. I, I, I hope think, you like the movie. <laughs> I think Doctor Strange, we can get through quite quick, right? Yes, I do believe so. <laughs> oh, wait, mm. we didn't do the thumbs up thing for, for oh, Civil War. Oh, okay. Thumbs up Civil War, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a patented yeah. two thumbs up right there. Big, big thumbs up. Patented yeah. two thumbs up from Ross. That's a Christy Long thumb, big thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. that, that is the anymore. longest, the longest Oh yeah, sorry, thumb. too many complaints on that. Redacted, <laughs> yeah. redacted, redacted. <laughs> right. So Doctor Strange, 2016, um, Scott Derrickson, I think that's his name, who directed it, mm-hmm. right? What do we all think? It was your first time seeing it. Yeah, I never saw it before. Oh, it was my first really? Time. Yeah. Oh, wait. I, so it Scott, was, it was, what did you funny. think? <laughs> Yeah, no, it was funny because I really wanted to see it when it came out because um, I knew sort of how trippy Doctor Strange could be. Um, yes. And how, because it was it was born into, like, people were genuinely thinking, like, um, Stan Lee and the writers were just taking drugs and LSD because it was just that off the wall when it first <laughs> came out. You asked me, is it a trippy film? And I said no. And then we <laughs> yeah. watched it and oh, I went, you're, oh, you're a liar. Oh, oh wait, <laughs> yeah. I've lied a little bit to you because um, I forgot about all the like weird, like the ha- the scene with like when he's go- getting his mind mind's eye opened or whatever. Yeah. And there's all those hands and stuff like yeah. covering his body. And, oh. yeah. and I, but to be honest, I kind of wanted <laughs> them to go a bit more with it, especially with colours and stuff. But I, I really liked it. Um, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was good. He's, he's good. Yeah. Um, I'm a wee bit. Oh, he fits the role really well, but I again am slipping into this feeling that Marvel should take more risks and get more unknowns to fill these places. But Benedict that's just me. Is the biggest example of that for me, of like, oh, listen, Benedict Cumberbatch, great actor. He does this very well. Yeah. He, you know, he's done it to the point now where I couldn't imagine anybody else really as Doctor Strange. But at this point, I feel like they could have gone sort of balls to the wall picked someone that we've never heard of before for this role yeah and it especially, would have been fine especially as well because um he's Stephen strange he's just bbc's sherlock meets house md in yes. terms of like his being and they just picked someone that's done that you know i mean bendit cumberbatch has done that for years so they just picked something they they're like oh that. and you know but again though i completely fair casting i think it, he worked he does brilliant but yeah that's just that's my only sort of gripe with the film and then you've got tilda swinton as the ancient one who i oh she's re- fantastic I really like her. she yeah. is fantastic yeah. she's amazing yeah I mean, and she is she also I, uh, she is celtic as they do say in mm. the, the film i'm pretty sure tilda swinton mm. is scottish and from up north hmm. i think oh, I might be wrong. <laughs> oh, is she? that's crazy i didn't know that someone google it no <laughs> But no, I, um, so what do you think, Ross? Yeah, so I I like this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my head, I liked it more than what I experienced re-watching it, which I thought was interesting. Um, that It's a great film, but there's a lot to it. And it does a good job. It doesn't do a great job of, of, of getting there. Because it's there's a lot of the time where it just feels like this is a bunch of information that they have to throw at you, and then sometimes yeah, it's, they'll say a word again, and I'm like, oh, thick. that's not real. You know, it's really every thick. time they say Caecilius, oh, my eyes crimple up like it's a cringe. I, like again, I understand it's just the character's name, but they're like, oh, well, the evil Caecilius, and I'm like, and Drumamu, right, we're fine. 
But yeah, yeah. Like Dramamu, uh, you know. the destroyer of worlds, this big scary time thing. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, is he that big a threat? In, no, but in, in fairness though, like he's presented as a big threat, but the immediate threat yeah. is the other guy, right? But I really liked yeah. him. Is it Ormamu or Drumamu? Mamu. Is it Drew Mamu? It's, it's one of the two. Yeah. I, so I, I thought this. I don't know. I'll just call him Mamu. <laughs> yeah. I thought. Mamu. I thought. Blank Mamu. Yeah. I thought. Um. He. I wasn't too sure of him at first because I like you know I like the big bad guy gets punched by the good guy like that's but it's so reductive, and I love the idea that. Um. Stephen Strange, the thing he has to overcome, is is his arrogance i guess his own ego yeah and his own ego as well yeah. and to and to see through the whole film his ego and his arrogance is almost justified throughout until he goes to the uh, to the monk's place and he's learned about himself and he's learned about the mystical arts and stuff and he has to shed some of it then but mm. he learns that the only way he can beat mamu is to sacrifice himself in a way i guess like that Sacrifice the life that he was originally searching uh, for, as in, like, to get his hands back. No, but I, I, that as well. But I also mean the way he does it, you know, locks himself in that time loop. I think ah, yes, that's yeah, ama- yeah. That, that scene is my favourite scene in the whole film. Right at the end, it's just yeah. when he's like, yeah. And he's fighting him every and time. I think, I think as well, like, obviously, the, at the beginning of the movie, you think, oh, well, this guy is just obsessed with himself. He thinks he's the one... You know, his ego is too big. Um, and then by the end of the movie, you find out that he kind of is the one uh, as far as this movie's concerned, you know? But it's not about, oh, look at me, I'm so awesome and I'm so special because I'm the one. It's like, oh, listen, sometimes the one has to make sacrifices. Sometimes the one has to do the, the difficult thing, like sacrificing yourself to the infinite time loop thing like mm. at that moment he's totally willing to give himself up to this infinite time loop to beat this thing because he needs to save the earth and that change where you're not asking him to sacrifice you know his pride or, or you know he's obviously an, a, an ego sort of centric guy but he does have to use it for good instead of using it for evil it's interesting yeah Anyone? Have we got any more words to say? Because I sorry, I, I want like to speak his about. Cape. <gasps> yes, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I was I was talking all the way through the film, uh, Doctor Shane, because I just love capes, and I'm a man. I'm a man for capes. <laughs> uh, and and some people wear the most fabulous capes in this film, but oh, oh my yes. god, Doctor Strange's cape's the best cape. Yeah, I love his best, personality. Best like the fact it's got this like kind of cheeky personality. There's like the bit where he's like trying to walk towards the uh, axe on the wall. Yeah, and then it's like tugging him back. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. personally, and then you also see it like later on in other films. Um... The action in this film is amazing as well. <clears throat> um, all the scenes where the mirror realm are brought up and like the roads are folding over themselves and the yeah. whole city. It really reminds yeah. me of Inception. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. It's very Inceptiony, but but it's yeah, still it's really good. well done. It's cool. And like when they're running on the walls and stuff, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was well, say... I'm a big fan of this film, but mm. yeah. What I would say as well is, uh, as much as I sort of said there, like, oh, it, it has a lot to, to get through and it's a very dense film and, and, and sometimes those things don't really, you know, it's sort of like, oh, okay, whatever. What they do in this film is they really make the magic feel real, you know, when they do the little funky hand gestures and then the circle appears. With or the sling shield, rings, or, yeah. or the sling ring, you know, teleportation circle. I'm like, okay, all of that makes sense, you know. I know that when you hold the hand up and spin, you're going to get a portal, whatever. You know, that's really well done, I think. That's actually a really good point. I I never actually... I I think about the sort of suspension of disbelief a lot in films. And all Mm. the way through this film, I kind of... I believed it. That's... So that's quite... I'd never even thought, but yeah, you're you're super right. Just that I believe that the magic in this film is really believable. The ancient one is really believable. And I'm super glad that they brought magic into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Because could you Almost imagine if they were trying up. to do like a Thor Dark World version of this, where they're like, "Oh, it's, oh it's, yeah, of course." You might, you know, you might see it as magic, but it's just like some ancient science, and it's like a really gloomy film. I'd just be yeah. sitting there just being call like, it magic. Like, "Yeah, exactly." Yeah. Well, they did, and 
when the ancient one is saying like oh it's what you might see is this sort of science yeah. or as we call it magic scott was like yes yes they use the word they use the m word yeah that that tilda swinton speech as well where she's like listen if you would feel more comfortable calling it something else feel free but it is magic like you can dress it up if you want it's magic we're, yeah. we're doing some magic really really cool i really like uh she would tell you for in this movie as well um i think he's like i love him in almost everything i see him in mm. but i think in this film he's, he's really really good i'm not such a big fan of how they decided to end this film with him storming off in a mood she would no like him storming off is fine you know if he wants to just go and like disappear that's fine but then i think it's in the first post-credit sequence or maybe the second one because the first one is when doctor strange meets thor right and he refills the beer yeah I guess that would be the second one then, is, uh, I can't remember Chiwetel's first character's name, um, but you know he's the guy that trains Benedict Cumberbatch in this film. Yeah, the black. Guy. And he goes, yeah, he goes to the to the guy that regained his ability to walk, and he's like, oh, I learned something. There's too many sorcerers in the world, and then he takes his magic away, and the guy drops to the floor, and he's like, oh, I'm Wait, the new bad guy, I guess. Does I'm that like, happen? What? I've not seen that. We've not seen that. We've not seen that post-credit scene. That's spoilers for us. Oh wow! Right. So that that could be that could be Doctor Strange two reference, I guess. Then. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's what I always thought. But then this film came out in like 2016. I don't know when the next one's supposed to come out. But then they never reference this again. You know, like Infinity War happens and we see all all the sorcerers helping out. It's like oh. I I agree with you, Ross. But at the same time, you got to remember how busy this phase is. Busy schedule. So it's like. There's so many, oh, yes. so many films that they got. I mean, Black Panther two. Like, what's what's gonna happen in that? You know what I mean? It's just there's so many films to get through in this <laughs> in this phase. I reckon Marvel yeah. were like, we can't crank this machine fast enough. That's maybe really sad. <laughs> hearing that the guy who was walking, they took his le- <laughs> took his legs away. Yeah. Oh man. That really upset me. Is like, you know, they they show him playing basketball, and it's like, oh, you know, go do this thing. It's a push for for Doctor Strange. And then at the end of the movie, you learn like, oh, he he didn't regain the ability to walk. He's just using magic all the time yeah. to power yeah. his legs, you know. And that's such a cool like. I I always thought it was such a cool moment. And then in the same movie, in the post credit sequence, she would tell you for now as bad dude, one, walks up to the guy and like, you know, almost like a Donnie Darko soul moment. Like takes the magic out of his chest and he <laughs> drops to the Christ. floor. So it's weird. grim. Yeah, that's sad. Ah, uh, dude, we're gonna have to watch that post credit scene. Yeah, we will have YouTube to. Or something. Yeah. Um, mo- are we gonna move on? I was just gonna say thumbs up, thumbs down. For oh yeah, 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 perfect. Uh, thumbs up, yeah, right? It gets, it gets a one thumb up. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with Ross there. I think it's just it's solid, mm-hmm. solid film. No, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, but when I've been watching it next to all the other movies, it's not a yeah. favorite, but it's it's a good movie. I still enjoy it. See if this film yeah. came out in phase two. Mm, it would have improved yeah. phase two a lot. Yeah, because I I feel this is a this is a top end phase two movie. Where yes. seeing phase it three, so it's kind of it's kind of lost in how three, good yeah. phase three is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought of a really good. Uh, transition between this film and the next film. Go, Go for it. it. It's speaking of weird stuff, it's Guardians of the Galaxy two. My yeah. favorite line in this film is Peter Quill going, oh, "I'm gonna make some weird stuff." <laughs> Very on brand. And I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it up in the podcast." Lovely, thank you. That was a great transition. Uh, yeah, so Guardians of the Galaxy Rock two came out. I didn't write what year it came out in. Uh, Big goof. Big goof. But yeah, Kat, Kat, what's your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Kat? Um, I really enjoy it. It's another great soundtrack, as we discussed on the last podcast, or yes. two weeks ago, I can't remember, Um, the, the, sound, the soundtrack and how important that was to the movie. So we've now got the one, the, the soundtrack that, or the mixtape that we see. Yeah, volume the, two, yeah. At the end, uh, playing. Um... My favourite character in this movie is Yondu. Mm-hmm. And I love all the scenes. My favourite, favourite scenes in this movie are the scene where Yondu and Rocket are in the the ship and they're, like, in the cell. And then they're trying to yep. get Groot to, like, get the... 
the Finn, the prototype Finn. Oh, yeah. And he's just kept bringing just back funny. different stuff. <laughs> I honestly, watch, re-watching these films, especially with um, like Infinity War and Endgame and stuff, my love for Rocket as a character has grown so much. Mm. Yes. And it's complemented so much by the relationship that him and Yondu have in that uh that scene and just there oh yeah so good this yeah. this film i think is probably the as far as the timeline goes if we're like if i was sitting here just finished watching guards of the galaxy 2 this would be my favorite marvel film yeah it's a good in um so yeah, far it's really obviously, up there obviously the rest of the films come but uh i just i can't gush over this film enough i think it's it's an absolute masterpiece of a film yeah. As much as I loved Guardians of the Galaxy one, and I absolutely love it, this mm-hmm. film hits all the emotional beats. It's got me crying yes. at the end. It's got me appreciating my family. It's got me learning more about myself as a person. I just can't get over how good this film is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up as well because Kat brought up earlier that she's been crying through a lot of these films. Um, yeah. This is the first one to make me cry. I cried like five times. My <laughs> first note that I made, because this is the this is the first one as well that I felt the need to make notes about. Mm. I wrote notes about Guardians of the Galaxy two. The scene where Peter and Ego play catch made me cry. <laughs> yeah, that scene really? where he like makes the ball and he gets to play catch with his dad. Mm. Um, and he took and he talks in the film moment. about how much he just didn't get a normal childhood, and as soon as that's presented yeah. to him. And again, this is how oh, messed up. Again, this is how messed up how good this film <laughs> no, is. Ross. Is is that he's got to? Oh man, it's just so good. He's got to give yeah. up this in theory perfect life for the greater goods, because the person yeah. he loves most in the world was his mum, and this guy is essentially an abuser. He's a, he's essentially like a domestic abuse person, I guess. Yeah. Um. He was a hero to his. Well, he is a hero to his son. Presented first of all. Then you actually learn about how awful this guy is. Mm-hmm. And Peter has to make the choice to give that up. Yeah, I was, when I first watched this movie, and we're like, whoa, he has superpowers. Like, he's not just a regular dude, he's actually like half a planet. And he's he has got, to give those up as Yeah, well. and the fact that he gives them yeah. up at the end. To begin with, I was like, oh man, it was so, like, so annoying that they introduced this cool superpower and then they take it away. But actually, it's super important to his character and mm. like how much he like is sacrificing by killing so his dad. So I, I think this movie's beautiful. Um, it's like as much as a lot of the films have have overlying themes, you know about you know the character arc says something about the you know the world or, or has something to say. This film is probably the the most prevalent example of of a Marvel film having its own message and it's that this film is all about family and how difficult family can be um you know the story between gamora and nebula, nebula. it's yeah. about yeah they're really the, the difficult really sisters good. and you know obviously their abusive father figure is thanos the the big bad that we've come to fear but ultimately it's just a story about kids with an abusive parent figure um, and, it and how breaks, they were it turned on heart. each other. Yeah, and it breaks my heart as well that all through their childhood, sort of, I guess, yeah, childhood, um, both of them tried to just please Thanos, yeah. uh, even though he was their abuser, even though, and even when he was physically, I mean, again, it's like a metaphor in it, but even when he was physically abusing Nebula, um, yes. obviously in reality it's a, it's a lot worse, he was tearing her apart and stuff like that. But um, but again, a metaphor for tearing your your own children apart. But even when he was doing yeah. that, all she wanted to do was just please him, and that's the most heartbreaking yeah. thing I think in the world. And that you're right, he just turns them against each other um, for his own personal gain. Yeah, um, and again, the, and I, the the bit where yeah. uh, the bit where she's talking about how she hates Gamora with this passion that you see in this film, because Gamora never let up. She never let her win once, you know. She, she was only concerned with herself and pleasing her father. Mm. And then Gamora has that moment at the end of the movie. She's like, I was a scared, abused kid just like you. I was doing what I Everything had to I do. Everything I could to... to survive, yeah. Yeah, and, and that moment is beautiful. What I wrote as well, uh, my second note, talking about family, is the scene where Drax 
is talking to Mantis about his daughter is maybe the most beautiful moment in all of the Marvel films where he's looking off into this into the distance and he's talking about how he took his daughter to like the pools on his planet or whatever and Mantis touches him and feels his feelings and starts crying immediately. Yeah. That you see this stoic rock of a character and everything that's going on inside that he has to live with every single day and he's just sort of like trucking along. Uh, and again, it, it just shows. I I guess to to keep extrapolating this to real life, it just shows that you've got you've kind of got to just keep going. Mm-hmm. As as hard as as hard and as painful as that is, um, quite often when somebody goes through a traumatic event, um, of any kind, everyone supports you at first, and then they forget, they they move on, but that person that it actually affected is stuck in that time. And they've yeah. just got to learn to live with it forever. Yeah. And that's Drax, I, I, I think, you know? Yeah, and I wrote as well that I think this film does a fantastic job that obviously it's about family, you know, Peter and Ego and, and Gamora and Nebula and Rocket not having anybody in his life and how they're all sort of parent figures to Groot. But Drax is mostly a comedy relief character, you know? He's introduced in Guardians 1 as this big, like, monster killer dude and but very quickly you you come to think of him as this comedy relief character that that does more jokes and laughing than than actual action sequences that they give him this character arc that you see oh you know he's he's big and he's funny and he's literal and he's, he's brash but it's built on this horrific backstory that he just has to live with you know it's it's not just you know the first film you see him and he talks about the fact that he lost his family but that just feels like a push for him to have a revenge arc against Thanos whereas in this film you see him he's talking about his wife and it's there's passion in the way he speaks he's talking about his daughter and there's like love and admiration and all of those things are perpetuating this character who has lost so much and just has to keep going at this point there's a bit as well with Mantis where he they're looking at the sunset or something and she's like oh it's beautiful i can't remember exactly they're looking at the sunset or something and then she's like oh it's beautiful and then he's looking at her saying like yes it is am i just yeah, yeah. no no that was that was that there. is there that yeah is there. and yeah. his re- <laughs> his relationship with mantis is such a like great balance of comedy but also emotional beats as well because he, there's the whole thing where he's like describing her as how she's so ugly and like repulsive to look at. <laughs> but then there's those moments we've just talked about where they're sitting together and yeah. crying. I and I think yeah. this is where, uh, as yeah, I think it's an interesting one with Drax because I think sometimes his character, um, his character beats are sort of twisted a wee bit for the comedy element, such as James Gunn does. Yes. You know. Sometimes he writes a character a certain way, um, but to twist them into into comedy. Like I don't think if Drax existed in a in a real world, he probably wouldn't keep going on about how ugly he finds Mantis. I understand that his whole thing is he doesn't, you know, he just speaks what he believes and stuff. But the fact that he goes on about how when Peter says you're like an old woman and he says oh because I'm wise, mm-hmm. I I think he it's an interesting one. But again, James Gunn's just such a good director that he does pull it off, and it is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Albeit, again, questionable, but I think the rest of the film makes up for it in tenfold. Like, I mean, look at... You were talking about Yondu earlier, Kat. Mm. What a fantastic character she's oh. all throughout this film. Yeah, I was literally just thinking about the, the scene where Yondu sacrifices himself to save Quill. Oh, so and, um, <laughs> It's going to make me cry saying it. <laughs> the, the bit where he's like, oh, you might have been your father, but I'm your daddy. Yeah. Which yeah, I mean, dad, daddy. dad, daddy's a bit of a, but he ain't good daddy. <laughs> a word, but um, uh, like even just thinking about yeah. that now it makes my yeah. eyes. No, it's water proper, powerful, and again, it's all about sometimes family isn't who you're born into; it's who you choose. Yeah, um, and that's what Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy is. Yeah, they're family. They are family to each other. Yeah. yeah, that's. I think that's a super interesting thing as well because obviously these are all broken characters that come together, yeah. and some of them, like Rocket, don't have. Um, don't have a family to fall back on and some of them have broken families like P- 
Peter or Gamora or Nebula. Some of them don't have their families anymore, like Drax, but they they all like it's that sort of you can make your friends, your family, you can they can be that that support that you look for from a family, you know, can be your friends instead. Mm-hmm. Is beautiful and it's done so well in this film. I think it deserves all the praise in the world for how well it it puts that across. And it can and it teaches a lot about forgiveness. I think this film as well. You know, um, yeah. Between forgiving those who truly love you back, I think's the 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 interesting message. I mean, when you look at Gamora and Nebula, as you said before, um, that's such an interesting forgiveness sort of between them, and the way that they both come to realize how horrible their lives have been, and how they didn't have a chance to love each other. But maybe they can change that. Maybe they can build that love. Same as Rocket and Peter, I guess, in a way as well. That, yes. uh, Well, I guess Rocket versus everyone. He's destructive because he's too scared to love anyone. Um, yeah, and how him and Yondu... Um, Yondu's like, oh, you're just like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Rocket realises all along that he has just been pushing everyone away. But other people do it too and it's okay. And you can change. And then Yondu's funeral at the end, that's always the bit that gets me as well. Yeah. It gets me every time. With all the um, <sighs> Ravagers. Yeah. And you've got Sylvester Stallone. And like... <laughs> yeah. But that, that whole scene of like the Ravagers had to push him away because he was dealing in child trafficking. You know what? If I was part of an organization and somebody I knew was child trafficking, I would also expel them from my life. <laughs> so I don't yeah, blame them yes. there. But at the same time, the fact that like I love what that rocket was the one that sent out the message as well. I think that's so fitting. And then when they yeah. all turn up and they're actually giving him a Ravager wedding, it, it, wedding. a ra- Ravager funeral. <laughs> uh, Nick feels <laughs> bad, kids. Uh, a Ravager, a Ravager funeral. It's um, it's one of the nicest moments of the whole film. But again, it's just yeah. super sad and super melancholy all the way through this film. Um, and I, um, I understand why people might be disappointed by this film, like especially like younger people. Because it might not be the Guardians of the Galaxy they wanted. But Baby Groot's so cute in it. No, it I, makes up for everything. <laughs> <laughs> but I, just, I just mean in terms of like, you kind of said it before, it's not the same as Guardians of the Galaxy 1. It's very different. Yeah, it has yeah. completely different themes, but those themes are still as important and relevant. And there's still so many good moments in this well, film. Well, what, what I was just about to say is that I don't think it's the Guardians of the Galaxy a lot of people want, but it's, a lot, it's what people need to watch, though. I yeah. think it's just so important. It's just such a good film. Um, especially like the fact that Peter Quill has to overcome his masculinity as well in a lot of this film where in the first film he was rewarded yes. for it yeah. and now he's actually he has to come to terms with dropping masculinity to become a better person and I think that's just such a cool a cool beat as well mm-hmm. yeah and 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 there's a there's a thing to be said as well for, for the idea that they talk about it in this film that the guy gets the girl that's what we're used to you know, uh, Peter does his speech that he's like, "Oh, we're like, we're like Sam and Diane from Cheers." There's this unspoken, Some unspoken thing, thing, and, thing and yeah. when are we gonna work on? You know, where are we gonna act upon this? And and then they talk about the idea that that Gamora's not a dancer and Peter is, and you've got to find the person that, that suits you and stuff like that. But there's there's an excellent. I think this this film does it really good. The idea that Peter is arrogant and childish, and he puts his own sort of like ego ahead of keeping his family safe his his friends safe and he is not rewarded in the end with oh the girl is now head over heels in love with him you know and and they they make out into the sunset it's like no listen you know he does he does good he overcomes his 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 pride and his like oh it's all me 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 thing he gives up being a god to save obviously the universe but to save his friends more more locally and he's not rewarded with oh you know i forgive every single thing you've ever done let me jump into your arms thing they just they have like a little hug and they look off into the ravenger funeral and it's it's really beautiful and it's not it's not like oh if you do one good thing you know it's all forgiven forever and we're just gonna 
right off into the sunset. It's great. I think it's great. It's yeah, well done. No, it's a really nice way of showing he, like people what being human is about. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, relationships are built. They're not created. If that makes sense, they're not like created a, like just not with a flick of the switch. And um, what do we all think yeah. of Kurt Russell as the as Eagle? I think he's really good. Um, yeah. I don't think I liked him as much the first time I saw this film, but I feel like it's one of those things where the more you watch it, the better it gets. I feel like he does he does the start part where he's like, "Oh, you know, I, I'm your I'm your dad, and I'm I'm this god, and I'm I'm super cool, and you know, come live on my planet." Um, he does that part really well, but he does the bit at the end where he turns super bad better. The part where he's like, oh, it broke my heart to put the tumour in her head and yeah. oh, it punches your gut straight through sort of thing. Um, I think he's great in this one. I think he's, I think he's, he's, he's a good representation of what Peter could become if he, if he truly was hell bent on being this just sort of cool, didn't care guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's the whole point of ego is, to, I think, to represent that within Peter. Good name for him as well because so much yeah. of yes. Peter's ego comes from yeah. that side of him. I think uh, as well, you know, there's the there's the aspect that when you're introduced to Peter Quill in Guardians One, he is this like womanizing figure that bounces from planet to planet, and he's a little bit mysterious. He's a little bit, you know, of a renegade. Just and like what ego obviously, was. egos. Um, sort of mission to procreate across the universe was more to try and create another celestial um but we then do see him on the planet with peter's mum and he's this cool you know spaceman that just flew in bangs the girl and gets out of there you know um that it is it is such a like sort of an allegory for for what peter could be if and if peter was alone when when ego met him he probably would have succumbed and and been the other celestial but the the influence that the guardians of the galaxy has had on him pushes him to be the, the better man yeah great film thumbs up, I'm guessing two thumbs thumbs up, up. right yeah patented two thumbs up on this film it's a great film uh and great soundtrack as well yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah. So and the visuals again are absolutely spectacular yes I also want uh, to see Sylvester well. Stallone come back as another as a, oh, as, as a Ravager again. Dream. Hmm? I want to see Sylvester Stallone come back as a Ravager. Yeah, again. they kind of introduced. Um, was it in a post-credit scene? I think what do you it, mean? when Sylvester Stallone and like those other like older Ravagers come back, and you, were, I think you said when we watched it that um, they're like another team from yeah, like, that in, universe. In, in the comics, I don't know too much about it because I don't read the I don't read the comics, but. I, I know that they're they represent like another sort of rough Guardians of the Galaxy sort of kind of kind of team. Mm. They're just another Ravager team, but they've got their own sort of story yes. arts and stuff in the comics. I don't know if they're gonna even touch that in the films. I have no idea. No, well we'll see. Um, thumbs up, thumbs down, I guess. Yes, obviously patented two thumbs up. Uh, from how many patented two? I thought there was a th- was there a third thumbs up option as well. No. Or is two as high as it goes. <laughs> I, I'm going to do my thumbs up, but this is my favorite film so far in the yeah. Marvel universe. So that's a big Christy Long yeah. thumbs yeah, yeah. up from this I mean, Scott. Yeah, from Edinburgh to Glasgow, thumbs up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, thumbs up for me as well. Um, um, what I would say as well is this one has the best Stan Lee cameo. Oh, yeah. He's the, he's the um, oh, what are they called? They're like Eternals or something like that. It's in a little planet and in... he's talking about what yeah, different and, character he was and something else yeah he's like oh yeah and, and then i was the fedex guy it's like oh that's cool you know and obviously unfortunately stanley passed away he can't do cameos anymore in the films but having that in there as like oh you know it sort of ties that up neatly in a bow which i always thought was such a quirky little addition i mean he's a, he's, a, he's got, he's got more cameos i hope they yeah just no keep this isn't the last one cameos in the future as well yeah so. Oh yeah, um, I mean they could totally like CGI him in, right? They they did it for um, Star Wars with like Princess Leia, did they not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. It's a bit scary though. <laughs> yeah. At what point is it grim? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. He's just in like a hundred years time. If they're still making Marvel <laughs> yeah. movies, and he's just still there. Uh, okay, well, I guess I guess we're gonna wrap up. Um, as always, Ross, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, Thanks thank you very much, me, Ross. Thank you, viewers, uh, listeners at home as well. Yeah. Um, I guess as always, we will talk about our 
lovely email address that you can get in contact with us on. Scott, what is that email address? You ask me every week, and I should know every week. It is flatchatpod at gmail.com. That is correct. Yes! Also, like last week or two weeks ago, you said that you'd learnt the email address now, so you can't go back on your... Well, listen, it's every, every week's a new week for me. Uh, it's yeah. been a, you know, so... Yeah, spend a week without thinking about what the email address is, you forget. Uh, yeah, so that's flat... Get it tatted Flatchatpod at gmail.com. And where can you find us to listen to us as well? Oh, you can find us... Ross, do you want to name one place? You'll probably find us there. Yeah, um, you're on Spotify. We're on Spotify. Cat? Ross, it's not your, it's we're. Oh, sorry, we're on Spotify. <laughs> we're also, you're, right. you're in this with us. <laughs> As the argument continues, we're also on iTunes, we're on TuneIn, we're on oh, everything. Oh, everything you can possibly imagine. And, and SoundCloud. And SoundCloud, sorry. SoundCloud's are like our hosting as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thanks, SoundCloud. Thank you, SoundCloud. Don't take well, us away. Don't take, we, we pay them. <laughs> so oh, no, you're pay. right. Fuck SoundCloud. <laughs> um, yeah, so... You catch us there. If you have email, any emails or suggestions or ideas, somebody, I was speaking to somebody uh, over email who was talking about us maybe doing a Star Wars series, which would be interesting. But again, we've got more episodes to come of Marvel, so we'll get we'll get around to things. Hmm. We'll get there eventually. But yeah, um, if you want to get in contact with us, that is the place to do it. Um, oh, we're also on Facebook. I'm on Facebook, yes. Uh But I guess we're going to say bye for now. Thanks for joining us once again. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.